Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host this week, Jeff Kasouf, joined this week by Jason Anderson of Pro Soccer Wire. Jason, good to chat again. Same to you, Jeff. Uh, always glad to be on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, well, we've got plenty of news, as we always do uh, in the, in our world, right? It's it's a good thing, I guess, that, that there is so much news around this league, around this sport, as attention increases. And uh, we'll just get right to it with, I mean, I think typically on a, a Tuesday here, we're coming out of the weekend with, with game coverage and news. But uh, the big news of the weekend, uh, the big news of a, a while here, I'd say, is probably um, it's Julie Ertz to Angel City, the U.S. midfielder, has a club home, and she's got, it looks like, a dozen games until uh, the U.S. convenes for World Cup camp. Uh, we reported that on EqualizerSoccer.com, and you can go there, obviously, uh, for all your news and subscribe there. Uh, my usual plug there for you to get all types of analysis and news and coverage. Um, so, look, first first reaction, Jason. I, mean, I guess this isn't necessarily surprising as a destination. It took us, took them, I guess we should say, a very long time to get there um, from a year and a half ago almost that she was traded, obviously didn't play in 2022. And then now she's come back and needed a club home for the World Cup is essentially how this played out. What was your reaction to Angel City being the landing spot for Julie Ertz? You know, I, I think it's not a shocking uh, move. Uh, we know that in the past, Angel City had acquired her rights. Those rights no longer were valid, but um, geographically, she's based in Arizona. Los Angeles, pretty famously, not that far from Arizona. Um this is also, I think, a team that would like, uh, big names. This is, there's been no, at no point in Angel City's history have they, uh, shied away from looking for big names to add to their squad. When they see a, a, a moment to get in the limelight based on a big name, they're going to try and take it if they can. Um, so yeah, I'm not shocked that that's her, her, uh, move from unattached FC, uh, to Angel City. It makes a lot of sense on that front. Tactically, I'm I'm curious to see how she fits in as a, you know, pretty famously high urgency front foot. Um, she fits a high pressing scheme. She hits a, fits an aggressive scheme. And I think Angel City tends to want to be a little more mid block, a little more patient. Um, so I'm curious to see how they find that balance in NWSL while we have the dual story of she's trying to play herself into fitness for the World Cup squad because this team, until she was announced as coming back you know, in February, Vladko said, I don't think we're going to be able to call on her. It seems doubtful. It seemed like they were ready to move on. Um, and so there's a certain level of can she prove that she has the fitness and shake off whatever rust um, developed over her time away from the game um, in time to get on the squad? I think she will, but it's still not a 100 percent certainty. Yeah, I think I mean that that US element is is fascinating in a number of ways um as you just you just detailed there um and and we'll probably be you know continuing to talk about that as as the days and weeks and months go here um toward a world cup that I think I, I think all of these these signs and we've said this on this pod I think we've written it like all of these events happening are are a clear sign that Julie Ertz is going to the world cup right barring barring terrible form barring something unlikely like this is clearly what's happening right so um yeah so i mean you know i think you're right on the uh, to me um just from from talking to people around the league like and knowing i I think as you alluded to like we know that phoenix is her home base she just had her first child in august i think 
the the proximity was always a major factor there and and really you talk about easy flights um you know that that's not the only thing but as an as an example like San Diego and LA were 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 clear examples um and and I think San Diego was somewhat in the ball game but it seems like Angel City was the clear favorite you know wire to wire even after the rights expired even as she was this free agent who could have gone anywhere um uh, but I think you make a really good point about you know the way this team plays because I think I both think that you're you're dead on about their preference to be patient. And mm-hmm. I also think though, that they need the urgency. And I think we've seen that um, in different moments, like when they've had to sort of turn it on. I mean, maybe what comes to mind is that, that game, that home game against San Diego last year during qualifying for the world cup and, and uh, Claire Emsley's debut. Right. And, and mm-hmm. they go down to 10 players and they, they had to do something about it. Right. Like this was up against the wall and they go on and, she scores, they win that game. Um, but but more recently even is this weekend, a 2-2 draw with Louisville where they came out completely flat in the first half. Mm-hmm. And Freya Coom basically admits that post game, and, and she's right. I mean, it was there's no hiding from it. Like, I mean, that that goal from the run of play that Louisville scores is a light amount of high pressure from from Louisville. Jalen Howell with a clean win on on a turnover there. And it's it's 35 yards from goal at that point. So um, I think that they've lacked some bite, particularly mm-hmm. in the midfield there. And, you know, if, if there's one thing, um, you know, in addition to urgency that Ertz brings, it's bite, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen that throughout her career. And I think we saw glimpses of it coming back already in those couple of games that she came off the bench for the U.S. So, um, I think this is a fascinating way to, to look at it is, is, you know, you're right. Tactically, does she completely change what they're doing? Maybe. And and then also, though, from like an energy perspective, assuming we get the best version of her, she says she wants to be better than she used to be. This this is um, something that they need. I, I think that they need some some metal in this team that um, just hasn't necessarily been there in these moments that they need it to put together 90 minute performances. Mm. One thing I'm curious about is. If you're Angel City, I mean, this deal makes a lot of sense for Ertz, right? And And you allude to. You alluded to this tactically. If you're Angel City, this is a one-year deal. And, you know, that probably makes sense for everybody at this stage. Clearly, the goal is is the World Cup. And this is um, – I don't think this would be said directly by player or team. But, like, this is a vehicle to the World Cup in some ways, right? And then, right. And then I don't I don't know if anybody knows what, you know, is, is happening after that. But the fact that it had to be done, like, now, that is – that is because of the world cup. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what do you think this is for angel city long-term? You mentioned the urgency level. Um, I don't, is, is this a, a move that changes the trajectory of their season? Is this like suddenly we should be talking about them as some championship contender, or is this a, a real wait and see moment for you? Uh, I mean, I, I do think it changes the trajectory of their season from a, you know, you, we talked about the bite she provides, but there's also a certain sense of um, even, you know, the least competitive NWSL player in the entire league, the least mentally competitive player is still way beyond what normal human beings experience. But even within within that um, hyper competitive environment, I, Julie Ertz is pretty famously like up in the top like 0.5 percent of that pool. Um, and I do think there are Angel City games where 
in the past it has felt like they're kind of they they kind of let some games get out of control and some of it is tactical some of it is player fatigue or injuries or what have you um but some of it is that other teams bring a little more fight to the table um and i think julia Ertz is a player that will not allow that to happen um she it'll drive her nuts but she'll channel it in a way that brings more out of her teammates um so i think not only do you get a more talented player but i think you should see angel city become a little more um of a tougher team to beat you you might outplay them um but they're gonna have that grittiness uh to a certain extent that she kind of demands out of the people around her she always has so um i think it's going to make them better um heading into the world cup i think it makes them it, it fills a mentality need that i think they had um i am very curious to see what happens post world cup when her contract still exists but the primary reason that this appears to have happened i think we can all agree that the primary reason here like you said is is getting getting her to the world cup um angel city benefits as well it's not like a fully one-sided uh exchange here um but once that world cup happens what happens then like is the is the motivation still there is that um competitive fire still there versus you know living living apart from her husband living away from home she seems very happy in arizona it's not just a this is where we happen to be um she talked about it with the national team uh at their press conference after she'd been announced uh, as returning um it sounded like she really enjoys her time there and if she's playing for angel city she cannot be in both places they're too far apart um so i do wonder about that whether that competitive fire exists when the job is just angel city and not angel city and the national team at the world cup. Um, it, it could, um, or, you know, the one year contract aspect of it does say maybe she knows this is like, I want to do one last ride, but just one last ride. Um, so that's a, it's a, to be determined. Um, I think the club also will, if I was the club, I would want to maybe prove to her that this is the right environment and that it can meet her competitive demands outside of a World Cup. Uh, but that's a it is kind of a, a wait and see for a lot of reasons. It's a it's a complicated situation because uh, we're not just talking about a player signing from a free agent position to signing with a club. We're talking about a player specifically trying to make sure that she is fit enough to play at the World Cup that was told by Vladko Andonovsky that she had to find a club to be in contention for the World Cup. He, um, I guess, didn't didn't want a repeat of the Abby Wambach scenario from, from the past. So, um, yeah, I'm very curious to see how all of these parties work that out because it's not a normal situation. There aren't a lot of templates for how to uh, navigate this. You know, that doesn't feel too long ago that, that Abby Wambach was unattached FC before the 2015 World Cup, which is, is I, wild. I almost said 2019 just because of how much time has blurred due to <laughs> the pandemic. Um, I, I caught myself. I was like, no, no, that's further back in time. You're just getting old is all. But, you know, you bring up, a, I mean, an interesting point. I was going to just say for clarity for just, I don't want to assume anything of, of listeners just for like the reason the home base is Phoenix area. Arizona is her husband, Zach Ertz, is a player in the NFL, a very good player. Uh, mm-hmm. plays for the Arizona Cardinals. So um, if you're out there and not 
tuned into that and wondering why does what do you mean that she's got jump between two places or whatever that he's also in a place where he's really got to be in one place. So um, they've, they've been navigating that throughout their lives, which um, I'm sure is not easy, but um, so, so that is the reason for, for the Phoenix um, piece. But I I think you bring up a fascinating, um, you know, element to this of of nuance of, you know, we're beyond the days of U S soccer allocated players, um, federation players, where U.S. soccer is paying the bills and obviously they dictated a lot of things. And that included, you know, maybe a bit more oversight of club situations than some coaches liked back then, or maybe still even of, you know, whether that's playing time and load management or like you need to play her in this position because we need her there. And that's not the plan at the club level. So um, I think that's a really interesting, you know, those elements of pressure still exist just much less directly or formally. And, Mm. you know, there's an element here that, um, you know, I think we can all agree that like Julie Ertz at some level of percent, that's not 100 is still going to be your best option at number six, if you're angel city, but you know, there's also an obligation of taking this on to that U S soccer side of thing to her, obviously of like, you know, this is obviously also a, a piece of, a big piece of this is getting her ready for the world cup. Mm-hmm. Angel city is also trying to win games, win a championship. And, you know, does that mean she's playing more minutes than, than they want her to right away? Because maybe she's not quite ready for starting day in, day out in the league. I mean, she's entering the league in a, you know, we said Wednesday games are gone, but the challenge cups exist. So we're in a three day, mm-hmm. a three game week for a lot of teams here. Um, you know, there's going to be a push pull there of, what's best for the player, what's best for the U S national team. And then what ultimately is angel city, what do they need from her and for the team? And, and, you know, I, I would assume and hope that all those things have been ironed out enough. I mean, certainly they were a big piece of the conversation, but, you know, I think that's going to be an ongoing piece of, of everything to this, to this, uh, this signing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there with uh with Ertz and and Angel City big news obviously um you know huge news coming out of the the weekend and huge news for the league for Angel City obviously and and for the US because this was as as Jason said as you said um this was the the piece that was needed for Ertz to to sort of formally officially be in that uh World Cup consideration of playing week in week out and looks like she'll be doing that uh, as early as Sunday against San Diego in LA, which is quite an enticing way to to make the debut. So they, I'm sure we'll they know how to make watching. a splash. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch. Maybe maybe just a slight little addition to this rivalry with this, since we know that San Diego was at least interested, um, mm-hmm. whatever that looked like in in capacity in that capacity. But maybe a little extra addition to that. But um, yeah, quite quite splashy. Uh, we'll be back after the break here to talk a little bit more about what happened or maybe what didn't happen on the weekend in the NWSL. Stay with us.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Equalizer Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, here with Jason Anderson from Pro Soccer Wire. Please go ahead and rate and review this podcast on Apple. Give us the five stars. Send us some kind words. Helps us get the visibility out there. And uh, we hope you agree with us that we are bringing you insightful commentary about this league and this sport on a regular basis and want to get that out to more people. Um, we talked about Ertz. We talked about the big news. We incorporated some of the Angel City uh, versus Racing Louisville match, which I mentioned was a 2-2 draw. Louisville jumped out to a 2-0 lead, and Angel City clawed back uh, for the 2-2 draw. Other results from the weekend, I'll just read off before we get into some of the nitty-gritty on and off the field. Uh, Portland Thorns won one with the Houston Dash. I thought the Dash should be ecstatic to get out of there with a point, the way Portland played, and, uh, well, really the way Houston played, I'd say. Um, Gotham with a 2-0 win over Orlando Pride, the latest goal in NWSL history with a 90 plus 17 for Lynn Williams, which already came after uh, a PK from Midge Purse 10 minutes in the stoppage time. Washington Spirit 2 to 1 over North Carolina Courage. OL Rain 1 0 over San Diego Wave and another very late goal. Uh, unfortunate, really, for a, a real keeper duel there that uh, one of those. Um, for the keepers that 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 had to end with uh, without a shutout, I guess. And then Chicago four to two over the Kansas City Current was probably uh, among several interesting results. Maybe the the big eyebrow raiser of the weekend. But um, we're going to dive into those a little bit. But I know if you're a fan listening to this, if you're a fan trying to watch the games, you certainly had some frustrations over the weekend, didn't you, Jason? <laughs> it, to say the least. Um, <laughs> this the these first two Saturday games the. Uh, Courage Spirit game and the Orlando Gotham game, um, both just didn't have video available for the first 40 minutes of the matches. Um, I think both kicked on. Um, I know I, I had picked the Spirit game of the two to focus on. Um, that one kicked on maybe 30 seconds before uh, the Spirit conceded a penalty kick. Um, I, I believe Orlando Gotham was at the same moment, so it was almost just like someone somewhere had to figure out what cord to plug in uh to the right socket or something um but yeah i mean we've anyone that's been following this league for a long time we've been butting our heads against various broadcast issues whether it's just a lack of camera quality which the league has been very forthright about saying that they've wanted to do better on in some cases they have i'm thinking of a different spirit game against uh, louisville before the international break where the camera quality looked 2015, uh, 2016, and not 2023. Um, so it's not evenly applied there. We've seen the Go 90 era with the various, uh, the the orb flashing before us rather than the game we wanted to watch. Um, and this weekend, it was a kind of a flashback to those times wh- where it was the Paramount Plus logo with the short interstitial music that is now stuck in my head um, forever. <laughs> um, it It's just, you know, we're all good at making jokes uh about this stuff because we've all been through it for so long i saw you know tori houston was making jokes about it because she just wants to watch her team play um and she's in the same boat as all the rest of us um we're we're all joking about it because it's it's a way to sort of get over the fact that it's just it's year 11 and we're still not able to put video on screen at the time that we said the video would be on the screen um it's one of the most basic things and and as much as the NWSL certainly has to take you know some responsibility ultimately if if the broadcast doesn't work the buck stops at the league to a certain extent um but they do need to 
um, look at their broadcast partner like you really hung us out to dry here. What do you what are you going to do about it? Um, because it's not like Jessica Berman is the person that has to operate a satellite truck uh, in North Carolina or plug the correct coax cable or whatever it is to make a broadcast work. Um, that's not her job. Uh, that's no one that works for the league's job. That's a thing that your broadcast partner handles. So uh, it's beyond embarrassing. It's beyond frustrating. Um, and it's I want to say it's something that shouldn't ever happen again, but I I don't have a lot of optimism. I feel like it'll keep, you know, we're going to keep kind of bumbling along like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say a couple things of preface, like, look, I, I think empathetic to the people who are dealing with it. I've personally been there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I worked at NBC with live streams very often. And, you know, even at to to frame this as sort of context of like, you know, for NWSL fans, this doesn't just happen to the NWSL. To your point, Jason, it shouldn't sure. happen, period. Uh, but like, you know, the, the Olympics are a billion dollar property and, and we had, we had streams that didn't work sometimes. So, um, so it's not exclusive to that still shouldn't happen. Um, and you're right though. I mean, you know, why, why do we talk about this right now? Well, because one, it's a, still a problem. And, you know, there's been, we've been told about how much money has been invested in the broadcast. I know, I know it has been, I know it's been in ways that we don't necessarily see or, or mm. recognize, um and it's going into to people and resources and obviously VAR resources but um you know you're right that it's not good enough and and part of that is the the bigger picture here is the league is out to market for media rights right now and mm. um to your point I, I think people too maybe are assuming like this is a CBS or Paramount problem then I mean with the setup that the league has and and was in a position to sign a few years ago because they weren't big enough really in the way that they at least think they are now and what they're trying to sort of get for these rights in this Mm. next round of negotiation is they're still set up in a way that they're paying for and producing these games through Vista. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's sort of a, it's a little bit more complicated of a web in that sense. And it's not, again, not exclusive to them. There's, you know, USL other, you know, I mean, there's, there's other operations that operate like this, but um the fact that they're out to to rights. I mean, this this is the way I view this weekend and why this was important because they're actively searching for media rights. They want big money, and I would say streams being among the other things. There was some camera work stuff, other things. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a terrible weekend for broadcasting in this league for 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 the broadcast. Let me say, not yeah. people broadcasting. Um, so. You know, what does that mean as you're out to market? Does that mean you want something new, new partner? Does that mean partners are looking and saying, what's going on here? I think there's a lot of implications there. And you're right. They're not necessarily, you know, I mean, Berman ultimately and and the board and everybody are tasked with fixing them, but they're not necessarily like um, something that they're in the day-to-day to. to, But they, they have, you know, the stream, as much as we have these coping mechanisms, as you said, like these have real impacts on, the business and and perception even of of the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking of um, this is going back to that um, Spirit uh, Louisville game that I mentioned earlier. The camera issue. Um, I believe the league had um, misallocated an assist in that game. Um, I think I think it got changed well after the fact, but um, for a while they had Paige Medier's assist given to Dorian Bailey instead, and. Bailey's like 20 yards away from the ball at, at the time. 
Um, and it's da- probably down to camera work. Um, and that can, you know, I don't know the specifics of those two players' contracts, but there are going to be assist bonuses and benchmarks and, and things like that where um, a player could be missing out on money over a misallocated goal or something like that or uh, minutes tabulation that it's wrong because the stream doesn't show and and the data provider doesn't collect the data from it. Um, there are so many ways that this can impact the league and the players and fans negatively. Um, and it just, it doesn't, it feels like a priority, but it feels also like we're in that in-between stage. Like you said, that the league wants to be bigger. Um, and this is a big league. They want to get into a big league status where this is not a thing that happens. Maybe you have a microphone issue once in a while, but not 40 minutes of a game missing. Um, but they're still, you know, these, the bad days of the past are not far behind us. They're, you know, last year or two years ago. Um, so we're in a an in-between phase for this league, and, and this is maybe a pretty painful bit of growing pains. Yeah, and I mean, again, I think, I, I don't want to speak for you, I think we're in the same boat of, like, empathetic towards these issues. Sure. Um, you know, they they happen, they they are always going to happen, even at high levels. Uh, mm-hmm. But But to your point, I mean, maybe, like, I think, Berman's mic was out on the CBS game on, on, you know, April 1st, was it um, mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I mean, we're not, nobody's perfect, but yeah, it's um, live TV. Yeah. But I, I think to your point, the, you know, there was a lot of intentional press around how much they invested last summer into improving what they knew or came to recognize was a problem. And, you know, it's a new season feels like similar problems and, and it's not just last year's, right. It's, it's year 11. Um, yeah. So I think I'm fascinated to see where these, these media rights go from, from a cost perspective. I know the league and, and people uh, there are a lot of people in the league who think they are worth and want big money for them. Um, and then, you know, does that come with a trade-off? Does that mean you go the Apple TV route like MLS did? And, you know, maybe you, aren't capturing a new audience in the way you'd want or could over mm-hmm. a linear package, but you know, what, what's, what is linear TV if you get four games a year on it? Right. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the grass isn't always greener. I know the, the MLS deal, cause I, I cover both leagues and while the NWSL stuff was just starting to get working again, the Apple TV side of things with MLS, they were, um, Apple TV was logging people out in the middle of games so they couldn't get logged back in and watch. Um, there was an issue there as well. So I, I had a great uh, Saturday night um, just trying to make games work. But yeah, it, it's not always um, what's going to work for MLS is not necessarily going to work. And it might seem flashier from afar, but the, you know, the day to day of it may still be, it's just different problems. So um, finding, finding a partner that can just reduce the frequency of these issues, I think is, is what I would, would love to see is just, there are going to be mistakes, but it shouldn't be every week. It shouldn't be every game has something wrong. Um, we should get some games in here where the broadcast is completely fine on all fronts. Um, it should, it's not going to be every time, but it should happen some of the time. Yeah. I, I heard Netflix had a streaming problem for reality TV on Sunday too, but that's, Way out of my wheelhouse, Jason. So I, don't, <laughs> I, I, don't know. I, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, we'll wrap on 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 the TV stuff and talk a little bit of games briefly here. But 
you know, I think my hope to your point is, is consistency, stability. I know a lot of fans don't want the paywall. I think that's probably wishful thinking just for even these mm-hmm. quote unquote linear companies. I mean, Paramount is related to CBS, the SPNS plus, you know, I think that's going to exist, but um, I want to see a partner that cares enough to do everything that should be done around a league to generate the interest in a way that we know could exist if it was invested in. And and that's not, I know CBS is doing stuff and, and we have colleagues there who are doing a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that there's still so much more that could be done from a TV partner. I think I'll admit, I don't even have time to, to deeply watch MLS anymore. So I'm not like ingrained in the weeds of Apple TV like you are, but I've seen what they've done with the 360 show, mm-hmm. you know, at least conceptually, why doesn't that exist in year 11? I, I've been asking this for years now, whether that's mm-hmm. a Saturday night and it's a whip around, whether that is after the game's end, whether that is a Monday morning, you know, I mean, you've got these channels now. There, there's no there's no time limit on the days of, you know, 20 years ago where, well, we've only got ESPN and ESPN too. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got these streaming services where everything lives anyway now, right? So um, I don't know why those don't exist yet, but that's that's among, that's one a or B or F on my list of, of <laughs> all these things that, you know, are equally important to whoever this next partner is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so spirit courage, um, two to one win uh, for the spirit there. We, as you said, we missed a, a bit of that. Uh, we missed some of the uh, Gotham Orlando game, which maybe kindly waited around until way after it should have <laughs> for, for getting weird as, as the NWSL goes. Um, mm-hmm. These six results which of them jumps out to you as as maybe uh, – which of them catches your eye the most? Uh, you know, I have to say uh, Chicago scoring four goals was not uh, not something I expected uh, days after losing Mallory Swanson for the season. Um, I, I just didn't see it coming. Um, but full credit – I mean, I will say uh, from the pregame press conference even that, um, you know, Chicago – the talk for Chicago was like, okay – one way we can make up for losing Swanson is to make sure we're more defensively stingy. Um, and then them in Kansas city go out and play this like wide open kind of barn burner, um, which is very, it's kind of funny, but it's also um, it worked. Uh, it worked for them. They were able to find those spaces in behind on such a regular basis. You know, Shayna Matthews um, doesn't get credit for a goal and assist because of the nature, her shot hitting the post and hitting uh, French in the back and going in, it goes down as an own goal, but um, she, you know, obviously stepped in. There's an opportunity there for her to get more minutes and she seized it. I think I- I'm really kind of blown away, frankly, by the Red Stars taking that bad news. Um, the, a player that is, I mean, realistically was uh, their offense uh, was Mallory Swanson um, and shaking it off mentally, shaking it off tactically and finding a way to um you know light it up um it's 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 huge for the league because you don't want to see a team just kind of crumble over one injury and it seemed from afar like that could happen here and instead they they had the perfect response yeah i agree i think um we saw sandra stark coming in on loan from vfl wolf wolfsburg which Mm -hmm. is a partner club it's only till june 30th but that seems to be something of a a way to bridge the gap i know chicago is as you would expect out there looking for what their solutions are for we still don't actually have anything definitive other than Mallory Swanson had surgery, but I think there's a pretty clear assumption here that she's out for a long time, the way everything's mm-hmm. been framed. So 
Um, Chicago's got to figure that out. Maybe in the, it's a tricky summer transfer market with a World Cup. Um, but yeah, I think of all the singular players, that that is the most uh, in the entire league. Like Chicago losing Swanson is the biggest impact of any single player being lost by any single team, based mm. on how how much of the scoring she accounted for last year. Um, you could make the argument for Morgan and San Diego and obviously Sophia Smith being MVP, but Portland has much more depth in those positions yeah. than these other teams, uh, certainly than Chicago. But um, yeah, I think, and Kansas city, a lot of questions there for me defensively. Mm-hmm. I know they're missing a laundry list of midfielders and that'll help solve some of them, but defensively and Elizabeth ball, yes, will help, but um, some, some major questions there for, for finalists from last year. Um yeah, I think a bunch of, you know, I thought rain wave was fascinating. It would have been one of those nil-nil draws that you look at and say, well, that was a crazy nil-nil draw, right? But mm-hmm. um, Kaylin Sheridan, Fallon Tullis-Joyce, um, you know, spectacular in net, each of them. And then Olivia Vander Yacht with the the finish right at the end of the match to, to give the rain a victory. And, um, you know, I think the wave, both of those teams really have been really tactically very interesting um, in, in how they've sort of, tried to evolve a bit from, you know, very successful campaigns last year, even. And, um, you know, I think the, the one, one draw on Friday too, for me was, you know, Portland and Houston, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Houston, they, we've been having this sort of argument internally, like they, they wanted to be in a three, five, two. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it came off that way, which maybe says something about the execution, but they were happy enough with the execution because somehow they got out of there with one, one. I I mean, I think you can make an argument that it was a bit wasteful from Portland. I don't know how they got out of there with a point because the the thorns were just all over them, particularly in the first half and, and in like really like oof kind of breakdowns, you know, in Mm -hmm. that kind of way. But um, I think if you're Port, if you're Houston, you take it and, you know, maybe if you're Portland, you just kind of move on and say unlucky on the day not to to finish more of those. But um, that one was was an interesting one for me. Mm. Yeah, I, I I agree that the the formation talk from Houston kind of after the game it almost caught me by surprise because um, in looking at how they built out, it looked like it was if it was a three five two, it was very asymmetrical um, to an extreme that I would say was bordering on just a four three three. Which is fine, actually. I, I think it actually it, it suits the players that they have um, really well. But I was surprised to see them call it a three-five-two rather than, you know, sometimes coaches will just be like, "Well, we don't want to get bogged down in formations. We play, you know, we attack in a certain shape, we defend in a certain shape." Um, but uh, in either case, um, I, I agree with your read on the game that you know Portland really it seemed like was about to just turn this into a blowout potentially um i do enjoy the fact that the dash have just enough with their front three um whether or not maria sanchez is counted as part of that or is is playing as a quote-unquote wingback um they have just enough talent that they can find goals anyway that if you give them the one chance out of 10 you might find yourself in a one-one where you're like how did we not win this game um so this is a, a a tribute to the dash that they can find a way to snag points um, in that scenario uh, because they, they might find them. So I don't think it's going to be every week uh, at Portland is pretty famously a tough, a tough assignment. Um, but when they struggle as long as they have, and they will have 
uh, Ordonez and Sanchez throughout the year because Mexico didn't qualify for the World Cup, they're going to be a tough a tough team to finish off because if you if you let your guard down once, they can, they have that firepower that you know traditionally teams that get outplayed don't. That's a thing that they lack, and the dash here got pretty comprehensively outplayed and still come away and say, not only did we get the draw, but there were a couple chances here where we could have even taken three points, um, which is is a pretty, it makes them a very fascinating team to follow. And and follow we will. We will be back uh, again on Friday as our twice-weekly pod continues, and obviously we'll be here all throughout the season. Uh, Challenge Cup starts this Wednesday. The Challenge Cup is back, and actually the news of it, Million dollar purse is what we're told from sponsor UKG this this season. Don't know how that breaks down, or the league has not specified. We've asked how it breaks down, uh, but that means more money on the line for the Challenge Cup. Obviously, it's sort of FA Cup style throughout the season mm-hmm. now, but um, that'll be a Wednesday slate that crams in here a bit after an international break, and then Saturday, uh, sorry, this weekend, I guess I should say, uh, back to regular season again. Where you know, as we mentioned in the first segment, I think you look at that slate and very clearly the uh, lone Sunday night game or in its own window, at least angel city hosting San Diego wave um, circle that on the calendar, mm-hmm. probably Julie Ertz debut and just been a fun sort of budding rivalry to start. So looking forward to that. And uh, some more, we'll see what else we get for news, Jason. <laughs> see. It, it never ends. Um, well, thank you for joining me. appreciate it. Thank you to our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you all again or, Speaking with you all again soon on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Equalizer Podcast. Mm-hmm.